Would you remain standing as we read from the book of Romans, chapter 6. The word says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let us not sin there, let sin, excuse me, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight to praise you because we are no longer under the law, but under grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would help me by your Spirit's power to preach your word effectively and faithfully so that each and every person in this room is transformed by the message, the good news of the gospel, that you are the good king and that you call us to prefer you to sin, to self, and to this world. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. My name is Larry. I'm one of the pastors here at Connection Church. And this time of worship is when we open up God's Word and we read it and we explain it so that God's Holy Spirit would speak to us. And not so that we can hear a nice lecture or enjoy um, wise sayings from a historical book, but because we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is the, the one that wrote these words, and that it's effective and authoritative and alive even today. So as we open up God's word, I challenge you to also open up your hearts and your minds to what scripture would have to say to you today. I want to begin, or continue, The beginning was the reading of God's word, I suppose. I want to continue by telling you a story. Um, I went with my wife, Lindsay, on a cruise a few weeks ago. Anybody ever been on a cruise? Cruises are fantastic. You can do nothing or you can do everything. So it works for Lindsay, who likes to do nothing, and me, who likes to do everything. It's the perfect vacation. But something very interesting happens on a cruise around dinner time. There's two main options at dinner time. There is... The Lido Deck. Who is fans of the Lido Deck? Yeah, that's the buffet. All right. And then there's the dining room. Who goes to the dining room? Any dining room fans here? Some people like both. Okay, you hit them both on the same night even. Okay. You can do that on a cruise. It's fair. There's the Lido Deck, which has the buffet. An endless assortment. A smorgasbord, if you will, of food. Now, because the cruise is a little bit... um, the cruise buffet is a little bit higher than, say, the Golden Corral buffet. The food selection is pretty decent. However, the truth is, the buffet is, offense intended, for those who just want to eat and don't really care what it tastes like. Because it's not as good as the dining room. The dining room is where the banquet, it's where the party happens. You sit down, there's tablecloths on the table, you're dressed in your Sunday best. You have three or four or five waiters and waitresses coming and filling your water every time you take a sip. 
replacing your salad fork with your meat fork and giving you a steak night if you ordered steak, peeling your lobster out of the tail for you. You're waited on hand and foot. It's the party. It's the banquet. It is the best place to dine on the ship. And tonight, I want us to see from God's word that our lives are kind of like dinner time at cruise ship. Dinner time on the cruise ship. We have, basically, two choices. The buffet or the banquet table. Now, last week, Daniel exposed the words just before the ones we read, Romans 6, 6 through 11. And he talked about, specifically, that we have been baptized as believers into death, into the death of Christ. And it was even more fitting, because last week, if you weren't here, we had a baptistry up on stage, and we had a member of our congregation who was baptized And it was a celebration. It was a party. And we talked about being baptized into Christ's death and celebrating the fact that it doesn't stop there. We did not hold Faraday under the water in the baptism. Right, Faraday? Right. She comes up, and you're resurrected to new life in Christ. And that is the joy of the gospel. And so Paul talks in the beginning of Romans chapter 6 about this new life that we have. We are dead to sin. And now he continues from the philosophical, theoretical, mind, soul argument that we have died and are rose again, have rose again, now he starts here and he talks about the fact that our bodies in this new life matter. This is not simply an end times heaven or hell resurrection, but it starts now. And what your physical body, your mortal body is the words that he used here, what you do in this body now matters to God. So in verse 12, listen to how Paul starts this off. He says, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sin is working constantly to corrupt your and my desires. We have many desires that are good. For instance, when you're on the cruise, the desire for food is good. It's God-given. We must eat in order to survive. So the desire for food is not bad. But when sin corrupts that desire for food and turns it against us, what does it become? Gluttony. Overeating. Gorging ourselves. Eating too much eating rich foods over and over again, never being able to be satisfied, never getting to the point that we can stop and say, that was good. It's gluttony. And this works in almost every sin you can think of. Think about drink. Right? God has given us a desire for drink. But when that desire gets corrupted by the enemy, by sin, what does that desire become? Commonly in our culture. Alcoholism. Exactly. You can take every sin... And go back. Is there something good with this? What about relationships? The desire for love, for intimacy. This is good, right? Desire that God has built into mankind to to procreate. Through sexual relations with male and female, you have children and the world keeps going. That's a good desire. But sin captures that desire, corrupts it, and turns it into what Daniel read earlier, a passion of the flesh, sexual immorality. So sin is always constantly working. Paul is setting up here a picture for the Romans and for us. 
But I want to give you maybe one minute on why this is so important for the Romans and help you kind of see it from their side. The Romans were all about their power, their strength, their army, their military. And so Paul, being a wise man and gifted by the Holy Spirit to write these words, decided to come at them from that front. He used an illustration that they could appreciate. He talks about in um, verse 13, he uses the word, which we'll get to in a minute, instruments. Now this word is used many other times in the New Testament. This is the only time it's translated instruments. The other times it's translated weapons, meaning weapons of war. So Paul lays out a picture for the Romans of of a battleground going on. There is a war happening. There's a battle going on up in the beginning of the chapter for your soul and now for your body. There's a battle for your body and the battle is that sin wants to reign in your mortal body. It wants to grab your desires, your passions, and it wants to corrupt them. It wants to turn sin into insurrectionist inside of you. To overthrow the reign of God in your life. To take those good desires capture them, speak lies to them, and turn them against you. That is what sin does to our lives. At the end, when we talk about how to fight this, we'll talk about the fact that sin is not just an action. Sin is not just the act act of gluttony, but it's the power that the enemy has to corrupt those desires. And that distinction is important when we discussed what do you do about this today? So we'll get to that soon. But um, in verse 13, Paul says, Do not present your members, your members are your body parts, your hands, your feet, your legs, your tongue, the eyes. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. You see, sin desires to use your body parts against you. He wants to corrupt those desires, turn them against you, and ultimately destroy you. This is why sin and God have a war going on. Because the second half of verse 13 says, But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. It's the imagery he did last week with baptism, right? Or in the beginning of the chapter, Daniel showed us last week. From death to life to life. Since you have been brought from death to life, use your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So the war between sin and God going on in your mortal body. Sin wants to captivate your passions, turn them against you, and use your physical body for unrighteous things. And God wants your desires and your passions to be spoken life into. He wants your desires and your passions to be used as weapons of war in the fight on the side of righteousness. So Paul comes at this from a military point to these Romans. And we can appreciate that and recognize that this is really applicable, not just to them, but to us as well. The country we are in is uh, kind of obsessed with this military as well, if you haven't noticed. So it's pretty important here that we notice Paul is talking about this in terms that we can understand. We're talking about weapons of war, and he's saying that our bodies, whether 
um, we use them for good or for bad, our bodies are going to be used in this war as weapons. James has something to say about this as well. Uh, He says that the most dangerous, lethal, poisonous weapon that you have in your body is your tongue. He even talks about it being the smallest, not biologically speaking. I know it's not the smallest muscle in your body, but he says the smallest muscle contains the most poison, which when, when venomized out, when it comes out, can destroy people. So this isn't always just sins that we think of as the big sins, like sexual immorality or greed or um, uh, being... I'm a dad of little kids, so being mean to your brother or sister, that's a big sin in my house right now. We talked about that a lot this morning. Um, It's not these sins that we just constantly think of in our head. Uh, Paul understands that this is every part of our body, and James says the most important one to keep hold of, the hardest one to bridle, is our tongue. So, this war is being waged. And in verse 13, right at the end of the verse, I want us to see an important phrase that helps the ones of us who have committed our lives to Christ, who have been buried into death and raised to a new life. Listen to what Paul says. Specifically, these words in the middle. But present yourselves to God as those who, read the next three words with me, have, oh, isn't that up there? Yeah. Second line. Present yourselves to those, to God, as those who have been brought. What tense is that, English majors? Past. Thank you. What does that mean? It means that it happened and it's happening, right? Your, you have been brought from death to life. You've been picked up out of death and you have been brought into life. So we look back up at verse 6 through 8 and we see this. We know that our old self was crucified on the cross with him, Jesus, in order that, or so that, the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Hallelujah. Now, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So Paul's referring back to this point, and he's saying, do not present your members, your body parts, to sin as weapons of war to be used for unrighteousness and destruction. But present yourselves to God because you have already crucified your sinful nature on the cross with Christ. It is Nothing, he says. It has been made nothing. So therefore, since you have died to sin, raise up, be alive in Christ, in the resurrection. And since you have been raised up and you are alive in, the, in Christ, in the resurrection, use your members, your body parts. Present them to God so that he may use them as instruments or weapons of war for righteousness, for good, for edification, for building up, for life, for love, for healthy eating and drinking. Since you are dead, be alive. And since that's the case for your soul, 
may it also be the case for your body. That is what Paul is saying. Finishing out this verse, uh, this next this passage, he says, For sin will have no dominion over you. Again, with the reigning, right? At the beginning, we saw that sin wanted to reign. And now, Paul closes this small section of Scripture by saying, Sin will not have dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace, Jesus reigns and life happens. Under the law, sin reigns and death and destruction follow. Daniel read earlier from Galatians chapter 5, and Paul says that the works of the flesh are all of these things. He lists them. Sexual immorality, envy, drunkenness, all of these things. These are the works of the flesh. When you work and sin reigns in you, destruction follows. But the fruit of the Spirit. Why didn't he say the work of the Spirit? Because he said the works of the flesh. See, because under grace, there is no work. There is only surrender. And when we surrender ourselves to Christ, his Holy Spirit comes in us and grows us and produces fruit. What does that fruit look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus wants to grow fruit in your life. Sin wants to see destruction follow everywhere you tread. This is the big cosmic battle that is going on. Many times we think it's only in our mind, and Paul illuminates very clearly here, it is also in our bodies. What we do with our bodies here on earth is important. It can be divisive, or it can bring unity. It can destroy, or it can build up. It can be an adulterer, or it can be a faithful lover. There's a war going on. It has already been won. Paul just submits to us. Live because you are alive. So, that sounds nice, right? But, how do we actually fight this battle? He doesn't tell us how to fight it, necessarily. He just says that it's going on and you should choose this side. He tells us that as well. You see in verse 12 that sin is not an action but a power. Remember, sin wants to reign in our life. Sin is a power that is working constantly to try to take control of your life, to reign. And if sin were simply an action, then willpower could stop it and willpower could save you. If, it was, if sin was just alcoholism, if that was, that was sin itself, then you could go through the steps maybe 12 steps in particular, and you could overcome alcoholism. People have done this, right? Lost people who do not have Jesus have done this and overcome this. It's because we misdefine sin. Sin is not that action. Sin is the power behind that action. And we fight on the wrong battlefield. We fight on the action battlefield. We try to control the action. 
with our willpower and with our prayer. But see, what Paul wants us to understand is the battle is not won on the action. The battle is not even won at the level of desire, which is what's controlling that action. The the battle is not even won on the power of sin, which is to corrupt those desires and turn our actions into destruction. See this level right here? The battle is on none of these grounds, and this is where we try to fight the battle. It's why we all have the same routine in our lives. Sin, confess, repent, wash, and repeat. Why can I not get out of this sin that is looming over me? Paul says the answer is literally right in front of you. It's the cross of Christ. The battle was already fought, is what Paul says. The battle was already won at the cross. So that's why when we try to fight at action, we lose. When we try to fight at desire, we lose. When we try to fight at the power of sin, we lose. Because Jesus already won the battle. We simply need to surrender to him. My son came to me this morning. It was a rough day at the Mayberry house. My wife's been gone for a few days. I have the two older boys by myself. And not by myself. Courtney, our oldest daughter, is there, and she's a big help. But today I was by myself because she was at work. And they're just they're being so mean to each other. And you try as hard as you want as a parent, but you can't make them do the right thing every time. And so Micah, my oldest son, just could not get it through his head to be kind and to share. And he was being mean. He was pushing. He bit Noah, which is something the two-year-old should be doing, not the four-year-old. But it was all just going downhill. And I lost my temper, which is really convicting because I just taught him yesterday as I was reading the Bible out loud. And he said, Dad, what does slow to anger mean? (laughs) And I taught him what slow to anger meant. And, uh... Yeah, I wasn't slow to anger today. But I picked him up, and I put him on my lap after he had gotten out of timeout for a while, and he was done crying. And I said, Micah, Dad lost his temper, and I'm sorry. But you know that you're not supposed to bite your brother. You know that you're not supposed to take Noah's toys. And he looked me right in the eye, and he said, Daddy, Next time, I'll try harder. (laughs) And I'm preparing for this sermon. I said, Micah, it's not about trying harder. You can try as hard as you want. You're never going to be able to not take your brother's toys. You're never going to be able to do it. And he looked at me kind of (laughs) like, you tell me all the time to not take my brother's toys. What are you talking about? And I said, You just need to surrender to Jesus. He's the only one that can do it, Micah. Jesus is the only way. And he said, I trust Jesus, Daddy. I'll surrender to Jesus, Daddy. I said, good. And he got down. Ten minutes later, he took the toy again. (laughs) But that's not the point, is it? The point is that simple, simple lesson that we just like the Israelites thousands of years ago, cannot get through our skulls. And I hope that it gets written on your heart tonight from the word of God that it's not about trying harder. We are missing the point if we think the gospel tells us to try harder, not to sin next time. The gospel tells us stop 
fighting the battle on the level of action, desire, or the power of sin. The battle has already been won. It was won at the cross. Surrender to the cross and let the Holy Spirit produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Sin as a power will attack your desires and there's no way for you to contain them. So, ultimately, sin is a disease. Right? It's a sickness. Sin comes in shrinks our minds, it shrivels our minds, and it robs us from the ability to see the majesty of God. It deceives our desires, which are good, which God puts in us. It deceives those, turns them against us. And instead of those desires being used for what is good, for love, for justice, for seeking out um, redemption for those who are in captivity. Instead of those good things being the fruit of our desires, destruction follows in our path. So today, tonight, I want to invite you. Whether you have God as your king now, you see the first part of the big idea tonight was God is the good king. The reason behind the phrasing of that is God may not be your king yet. So I want to invite you tonight, just like I explained to to Micah, it really is that simple. Surrender to Jesus. Put him on the throne. Let him be the king of your life. And then, when God is your good king, stop bellying up like a glutton to the buffet and come sit at the table. Join the banquet Have a four-course meal. The table of Jesus is open to sinners. The Bible says that one day Jesus was dining at a man's house. He was reclining at the table. I'm sure a feast was in front of him and it was laid out beautifully like this. And a lady from the city, probably a prostitute, barged into the house uninvited very obviously uninvited, and began weeping at Jesus' feet. And he's sitting at the table, and she takes her hair, and she washes his feet, and she anoints his feet with expensive oil. And the man at the head of the table who had invited Jesus to this banquet scoffs and says, Who are you that you let this woman, a sinner, wash your feet? And Jesus, very gently and in very Jesus fashion, says, Simeon, there once was a man. And this man owed someone $500. There's another guy, and he owed the same guy $50. And the the guy they owed forgave them both. Which man who owed money do you think is going to love the master more? Simeon said, the one who owed $500. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. It is so in the kingdom of heaven that to whom much is forgiven, more is rejoiced, more is appreciated. He was teaching him that the table is open for sinners 
So don't for a second think that this banquet is not set for you. It is. It's set for the harlot. It's set for the swindler. It's set for the prideful. It's set for the murderer. And the reason that that's good news for us is because the way Jesus defines those four types of sinners, we are all them. That's us. That's not us pointing, oh yeah, he's for that guy. No, it's for us. We are the sexually immoral. We are the ones who desire money. We are the ones who desire ourselves to rise. And we are the ones who hate God's creations and thereby murder them. So the table is set. The banquet is in the dining room. The king invites you personally to attend the banquet, to use your bodies for good and to enjoy this meal, this life that you have here on earth. Which do you prefer? The buffet or the banquet? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you build in us from the ground, from the cross, the wisdom that we need to stop fighting the battle on the wrong battlefield, to open our eyes and to see that you have won the battle. The battle is over. The victory march is happening. And when we open our eyes, Lord, would our mortal bodies be used, each part of our body, our tongue, our feet, our eyes, would they be used as weapons of war for righteousness, to bring about love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Father, encourage us today to prefer the banquet to the buffet. Thank you for welcoming sinners like me to this table. And Father, teach me not to try harder. Teach me to surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I was listening to the sermon, especially the part about when his son said, I'll try harder. I can't help but think of the many times in my life where I've said those exact words, and I'm not four, so I don't really have that excuse. I'm old enough to know better. But even as a pastor, I still struggle with that. Today is the, the day that we are remembering that, that God is the good king. And I hope that he is your king. But if he's not your king, we want to invite you tonight to submit your life to him and to die to yourself and say, God, no longer do I want my will to be done or no longer do I want to be the Lord of my life, but I want you to be my Lord. And we want to invite you to give your life to Christ, to give your life to him. It doesn't mean that you have to try harder. It doesn't mean that you have to certain, uh, follow certain steps, but giving your life to him means surrendering to him and trusting in the work that he has done through his son, Jesus. And if you already are one who belongs to God, but you're realizing you're just trying harder in your life, guess what? The same prayer applies to you. It's time for you to submit your life to Christ and say, God, I'm trusting you today. I'm not trying to be a better person, but I'm going to trust you because in Christ, 
I'm a new person. The old person is gone. The accuser tries to come in and and drag me back, but I don't have to go because I have been purchased by Jesus. And so we want to invite you to respond today and surrender your desires, your body, your everything to Christ again. You can come and you can pray at the front during this song. You can come and pray with me. I'll be standing over here. Winter will be standing over here. You can pray with one of us. You can sing this song and pray right where you are, but we invite you to respond today and to surrender to Christ. So let's stand and sing this song together.